On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we will be going through our normal college playoff breakdown analysis. We will be touching on a friend of ours, Doug Kazarian, but we won't be very friendly to him, unfortunately, or at least I won't be. And then we're going to move on to NFL futures, values, and picks and talk a little bit about when do we give up on Chucky. So as always, the Bet the Process podcast is brought to you by the Sports Action app, uh, the best app to track all of your sports betting lines, picks, etc. And with that, let's start the process. Welcome to episode 12, season two, Bet the Process. Uh, Rufus and I are ready to talk to you about everything we know in college and football, etc. Rufus is in Philly. Is that right? I am. It's it's snowy. I just got here from West Palm Beach, which was like 80 degrees and sunny. So it's kind of a difference. So San Francisco right now has a literal haze cast over it because of the fires. And it's like unhealthy the air quality i don't know if you know these numbers but the air quality is in like the 180 kind of context which is bad what's what's like beijing i think beijing is probably in that range oh wow yeah uh well let's see i'm typing for a sec guys sorry beijing air quality in case people care is they probably have like a different system Anyways, this is fascinating. It's, uh, it looks like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the number is. It's not good. It's not good. I think we can agree <laughs> yeah, on that. Let's just say it's not good. Okay, let's get into football. Um, so Clemson gained on Alabama last week, you say. They did. Why is that? They did. Even though they beat a worse team, Boston College, by fewer points than Alabama, uh, beat a better team in, in Mississippi State. But um, Alabama did not play particularly well, actually, on offense. They actually only rated in the 38th percentile performance on offense. And what I did, you know, because I want to be as user-friendly as possible this week, I kind of went through and, and actually converted you know, these sort of Z-scores I do for the performances into actually an adjusted yards for, for different stats into like an adjusted number for the statistic, meaning like context-neutral. Context so basically, um, Alabama only averaged – an adjusted uh, 5.3 yards of play, and that adjusts for defense quality, it adjusts for home field, and it and it weights by game situation, meaning we're sort of de-weighting garbage time. So 5.3 yards per play, four, three and a half against, that's not particularly dominant. Uh, Clemson, when you neutralize for their opponent, 7.1 yards per play, four, 2.2 against. So that's that is particularly dominant, and Clemson had the number one game grade of the week at plus 35. Alabama was uh, was number six at plus 25, meaning we would have expected, based on how those teams played, if they had played each other, um, to be about t- Clemson was 10 points better. But Clemson only won by 20 because, um, well, they uh, they gave up a punt return for a touchdown. Otherwise, it would have been a shutout. Well, and Alabama it, didn't really, I mean, even though they it was 24 points, they didn't do very much in that game. I mean, 
Mississippi State gifted them um, with that punt and then also, you know, should have scored a touchdown easily. Like, I think as a Mississippi State backer last week, I felt kind of like I got screwed over. I felt like they should have covered that game, especially after. Wait, they did cover, didn't they? Uh, I don't know what you got it. I was a Mississippi State backer, and they covered. It was twenty-four. You must have got it more than twenty-four. Oh, I marked it as a win in in, in last week's thing. I guess it was actually a push. Yeah, it was. A push. Oh yeah, because I oh had it twenty-six and a half and twenty-six. Tout, tout, tout. I I tout alert. Tout. Um, what about changing updating my record? What about Ohio State? How did you feel like they did last week? You know. When I looked initially, when I kind of looked at the box score and actually watched the the sort of game recap, the five minute version of the game, and I didn't think Ohio State looked that good. Obviously, they they had Michigan State pinned inside their five yard line, I think, on three or four state four straight drives, and they had that um, that sort of the intentional safety, and then um, and then was it a blocked? Play? No, it was a bad sna- bad snap. They they scored a defensive touchdown there. Yeah, a lot of shit uh, happened. Yes, and it was apparently one of the most uninteresting games to watch ever. But yeah. but their their grade their game grade was surprisingly high to me. They graded out at number three for the week, um, and it was surprisingly high given their yards per play was so low. But Michigan State is about equal to Mississippi State defensively, and Ohio State um, actually excelled in in the play success department, which measures. It. I've I've talked about this a lot, but measures how you know how good a team is at moving the ball consistently. Um, they were 83rd percentile on offense, 97th percentile on defense, but um, and they also played Michigan State on the road, whereas Alabama played um, Mississippi State at home. So that's why Ohio State kind of graded out a little bit, a little bit higher than Alabama, which was a surprise to me, as I said. So what about Georgia Auburn that game? Obviously, Georgia kind of dominated that game. Yeah, yeah, Georgia Georgia graded out to a plus 28. That was the fourth best game grade of the week. They were fundamentally. 22 points better than Auburn. They won by by 17. They outgained Auburn practically two to one, and they doubled up on time of possession. But the score didn't really reflect that necessarily. Their first two drives, they they gained 153 offensive yards and just kicked two field goals. And in the second half, they they punted inside the Auburn 40. They had an interception um, deep in Auburn territory, and then later on, they had a I assume it was a turnover on Downs fake field goal thing. I was looking at the play-by-play, and it was a Rodrigo Blankenship incomplete pass or something. But they were up big, um, up seventeen. I don't know. Were they doing a fake field goal? Was it a bad snap? I have no idea. It could be so bad. It could have been whatever. Like who knows? But I know Blankenship. Blankenship is their kicker. I I know that. So so basically, just like just like Alabama could have scored probably uh, at the end of that game um, against Mississippi State when they were inside the 10 and, and lost all our bets for us. Um, Georgia could have put up more points. I think if they, if they wanted to there, but they, they, um, but they played very well. Uh, Auburn still does have a stout defense, despite the fact that, you know, Auburn's record has not been what we expected it to be, but they, they, they have the seventh best defense in the country, according to Massey Peabody and Georgia uh, ranked in the 97th percentile on offense on yards and 88th on, on play success. So, so, it, it was one of Georgia's better games. What's your thoughts on West Virginia? Obviously, they are um, getting a lot of attention now. They are, and their defense finally, finally played a good game. They gave up only an adjusted 3.9 yards per play. That's adjusting for opponent and adjusted 31% play success. And they were fundamentally 45 points better than TCU. So 
But TCU um, is kind of offensively challenged, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've been, yes. been bad this year. They have. Yeah. I, I think we all thought TCU would be a little bit better. They seem to be a team that um, their program, it seemed like it's sort of taken the next step in the last, you know, five, six years where they were one of these teams that you expect to consistently be a contender. Hasn't been the case. You know, and you know, then, the big surprise this week who's that? To, in, in the top, in the top five for the game grades is hit. They, they won 52 to 22 against Virginia tech. They came out, they graded out higher than Alabama. And when I looked at the box score, it was kind of, um, it's a little bit interesting, a lot interesting, actually. They had, I think, 654 offensive yards on only 47 plays. Then And 36 of those offensive plays were rushes, and they got 492 rushing yards. So their their adjusted yards per play is still over 13, even though, you know, Virginia Tech isn't that good. But the funny thing is their play success was actually not very good. It was kind of middle of the road. So they just got a ton of big plays. They had three touchdowns of over 75 yards. They had five plays of over 50 yards. You, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's a very, very interesting box score. And, and, but their explosiveness, even though, I, you know, I talk about how big plays aren't as predictive when you have that many of them and, and your, your yards per play is that good, you're going to rate pretty high. So do you think they have a chance against Clemson? No, no. <laughs> what do you think the line will be? Uh, in the twenties. I think I made it like, uh, in the in the Washington Post article, I think I said it was going to be. I made it twenty four, maybe, right around there. Got it. They're still not as good a team as Boston College is, and Clemson absolutely destroyed Boston College. Let's talk a little bit about the sort of conference championship races. I guess the 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 two that are most interesting are the Big Twelve scenarios and then the Pac twelve scenarios. Let's start with the Big Twelve. Um, what do you think happens there and does it matter? Um, I think, you know, per, I think Oklahoma is going to win. They're, they're the favorite and their chances of winning right now stand at 57%. Uh, West Virginia is 25%, Texas 12%, Iowa State 6%. So those are the only four teams that have a chance. Oklahoma and West Virginia are the only ones that have a chance realistically for the playoff. But um, there are a few games that that you know will really determine this race, and the Texas Iowa State game this coming week is is a big one. If Texas beats Iowa State, then West Virginia needs to win only one of their final two games to make the title game because um, because West Virginia did beat Texas, so they have that tiebreaker. Um, and if Iowa State beats Texas, then Oklahoma needs only one win to make it um, because they they have that tiebreaker over Iowa state, but, but Texas beat them. So basically, and for Texas to make it, they have to win out and have Oklahoma lose to West Virginia. I'm assuming by the way, that Oklahoma is going to beat um, Kansas. And then for Iowa state, don't, don't, uh, don't sleep on Kansas. Official bet the process team uh, team. So Kansas and Rutgers and Iowa state needs to win out and have Virginia lose to Oklahoma. So, um, I think it's interesting. And so Big, Big 12 doesn't have divisions, I assume. They're exactly. just the top two teams. Yeah, yeah, which I think makes it more interesting because um, because it seems like more often than not, you have one division that ends up being stronger than another in, in most of these conferences. And so you have, I mean, imagine if, um, except maybe, well, no, I think it's, no, I think I made the right, I, I think I'm not going to crash myself. 
So it's likely you're saying likely going to be so Texas and Iowa State play this week, right? So that's kind of a loser goes home kind of thing, right? And then sure. uh, West Virginia is has Oklahoma, so they have to play Oklahoma, right? And Oklahoma yes. State, so, so that, they so have that's, a pretty, that's the big game at I the see. end. At the end, but. Right. And right now, both of those teams have one conference loss, where at, while Texas and Iowa State have two conference losses. But West Virginia, you know, Oklahoma, West Virginia could have absolutely nothing on the line, depending on how things play out this week. And right. so that's the, the Texas Iowa State game is going to determine that, along with, of course, what if West Virginia and Oklahoma both win. Yeah. Now, West Virginia doesn't necessarily have an easy game this week. They're playing Oklahoma State, which I think is a little bit. Yeah, I think the market has that at five and a half. I think it should only be two and a half. Yeah, I think I, I like Oklahoma State in that, right? A little classic sort of, uh, not necessarily look ahead, but spoiler. I like the spoiler narrative. Yeah, although if we were talking about motivation, we might say Oklahoma State came off that, that like it's a big letdown spot because they, they lost that really close game to Oklahoma. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Pac-12, I'm ignoring Pac-12. Pac-12. Uh, do we even need to talk about this? Does anyone care? Um, I don't. I mean, it's it's interesting. I th- think that there's a lot of teams in the mix. That's you know, what Washington, Utah, Washington State, Arizona State, Arizona. Yeah, a lot of teams could still make the Pac-12 title game. Um, but and I, I went through and there's a lot of different weird tiebreaker scenarios. But I think what we need to know is it's going to be Washington. You. Washington is the leader, thirty-eight percent. Utah's thirty-four percent. Washington, Washington State. State. Washington State is no. Washington is more likely than Washington State. Really? So oh, I only have, have Washington State is nineteen percent. So if Washington beats Washington State, they will go from the north or whatever yes. that is. Mm-hmm. And the South is still wide open, right? Yes, it is. With with Utah, Arizona State, and Arizona. Utah has Colorado, which they should win, and they have two games they should they'll be favor, heavy favorites in. Right? I, I believe their final game. Well, their final game is BYU, so that's not a conference game. So they only have one more game left, and I think, um, but but they don't even control their own destiny. Interestingly enough, Arizona State's the only team that does that because they did beat Utah. But the Sun Devils face two tough road games. They have to play at Oregon and at in at Arizona. And Arizona, it's tougher. They have to. They got to win in uh, against Washington State in Pullman on Saturday, and then they have to beat Arizona State and have Utah lose to Colorado. They can actually get in. Wait, really quick. They can actually get in a, another way, but it's um, but that involves other who teams cares, losing. right? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. The, the who only cares? the only way that this matters is if Washington State wins out, and yeah. somehow then someone else loses that's in, a bunch of people lose that are in front of them and then it becomes relevant but otherwise the yeah. is so what happens really irrelevant so jeff what happens if are there any scenarios do you think where washington state gets in like what happens if michigan beats ohio state but loses to northwestern if the big if like iowa state or something wins ends up winning the big 12 and if um and then you have alabama clemson Notre Dame, we can sort of peg in the top three spots. So you have either um, you have either Alabama or Georgia, right? Because well, let's say let let's say just to make it easier, you have an undefeated Alabama, and Georgia has two losses. Georgia has two losses. They lose in the SEC title game to Alabama. 
Michigan has two losses. They lost in the SEC title game to Northwestern. Right. And the Big 12 champ has, let's say, three losses. Because I think, how many losses does Iowa State have? I think they do have three. They have three losses, yeah. At least. Yeah, they do have three. Okay. Um, and then and then you have Washington State. Um, does Washington State get in with one loss? Yeah, I think or, so. I mean, I think in that scenario, Washington State gets in. Over a two-loss, clearly better Michigan team. Um, or yeah, a two-loss, you also I have two-loss LSU. I, I don't. I don't think it matters. I think. I think there's. You know, the Pac-12, rightly or wrongly, is still thought of as as a power conference. And I think if they're one loss and the the champion um, versus those other teams that you listed, I think they get them. What about UCF? Because if UCF stays undefeated right now, they're slotted one spot below. Um, I mean, well, the, the 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 committee has shown that they don't give a shit about UCF. But UCF's well, eleven. What's that? Well, UCF's eleven right now. Where's Washington State? They're I like slot nine or something. They're think, ahead of. Right, I have them tenth. I, I was not perfect this week on my nowcast, but right. but they're basically in the same neighborhood there. And what about but, all that all that pressure? Like you, all that there might be a little stop, bit of stop, backlash stop. If, if they are if they are if they're both if right now Washington State's ahead and they both win out. What is UCF going to do to leapfrog them? They're not You're right. Playing. I mean, Washington State has to beat Washington. Really good teams. Washington State will have won, beat Washington, and won the Pac-12. That's much more interesting to the committee. And I think we would. You can make a case that they take UCF. UCF was currently ahead of them. They've already made that decision that they don't care about UCF. No, I think you're right because Washington State does have to beat Washington and win a Pac-12 championship. And UCF, um, you know, they beat Navy last week, but they were not. I mean. It doesn't matter. You see, they, they didn't play, win by much. They're play shitty teams, and like, I, I mean, do they get to play Temple? Because Temple's pretty good. So, yeah. But what ha- what happens? Let's say, let's say, the Pac-12 goes to like. No, they don't even get Arizona, to play Temple. They're going to Arizona have to play, State. They're going to play like Houston, probably. But what if you have chaos in the Pac-12? What What if you don't have Washington State in? What if you have? So then, so then UCF has a chance. If, that, if then UCF has a chance. If that ridiculous scenario that you suggested happens i mean it's not that ridiculous if you think about it there's about four things that need to happen that are all probably upsets true and and my numbers have ucf is like a one in ten thousand shot right now so yeah i don't know why we're even talking about this well a lot of i mean there are people that care and i think that i think that the fairness of the process is definitely important to a lot of people it's not a fair process. We no. talked about this. Like, if it really was a fair process, you win your division. You should be going to the. You win your division and you're undefeated. You should be going to the national. You should have an opportunity to win the national championship. Period. That's what I believe. I agree. And, We're and, gonna get and they and UCF clearly doesn't. So it's just it's not fair. Are we gonna get into your discussion of the 18 playoff again? No, I've already made this. And I, it's not an 18 playoff, right? I want a 16 team playoff. Okay. The 18 playoff is doesn't it doesn't allow for every division to get an automatic bid. So you, you have to have a, a um you have to have a 16 team playoff to get that. So okay. Um futures values sounds like Clemson still has some value. They do. They got a lot of value still. That line doesn't seem to be coming down anytime soon. And for well, whatever reason. So much reason. pressure. Sorry? So much pressure from Alabama, right? 
they they can't lower Alabama at all. And so that's just makes everyone else around Alabama have value in our right. mind. Yeah, that look ahead at Westgate went from eight and a half to seven and a half. And I didn't bet it. Yeah, but I think the consensus around amongst the smart people that I know was that that line was too high. Yeah. So I'm sure they took a couple decent sized bets and they were like, okay, we got to adjust this. It's smart for them though, right? Like they just, they get a measure of the, of the temperature and and they can kind of move from there. Jeff, what do you think the line between Alabama and Clemson, if they play for the national title will, will close? What will that line close at? I think it's hard to say because I do think that the semifinals will impact that line a lot. Um, you know, I, I think that I I would guess that Clemson will let, let's just play out the likely scenario, right? The likely scenario is that Alabama wins out Clemson wins out. So they're seeded one and two. The three seed is probably Notre Dame if they win out and the four seed is probably Michigan or Ohio state or Oklahoma, right? So Bama will play Oklahoma, will play one of those two teams. And no matter what they do, no one's opinion of them will change very much, right? If Clemson kills Notre Dame, which they very well might, then people will be like, oh, wait, this is legit. So I I would guess it closes below a touchdown. Okay, so you think that seven and a half right now is not the best predictor of, of where it'll end up? I I I just don't see Alabama and Clemson being that different, right? I mean, I, certainly Alabama should be favored, but over a touchdown. And I think there's going to be a lot of money that comes in. Well, who knows? I mean, if I were to bet right now, I would set the over on. If I were setting a line, I would set the over under at seven of where it closes. Okay. And it sounds like you would take the over. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I make the line one, so I, I still think it's going to go down. And, and I think that, um, well, actually, Clemson. You know, Clemson. I don't think will 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 get as big a jump beating Notre Dame as they might by beating a Michigan, for example, because Michigan's a better team. But um, just for for futures value, you're playing ass- Notre Dame would be a is a much better matchup, I think, because you're assuming. I don't know what you're basing that. I mean, I think you're basing the fact that Michigan is a better team on your Massey Peabody numbers, right? But yeah, people don't necessarily agree with you, right? There is a lot of narrative out there that Notre Dame is a very talented team. Once they got Ian Book in there and he was full-time, like they've become, and they have whatever, four NFL players on the defensive line, and they're very good. Like there's a very, there's a narrative there that they are the third best team in the country. And I've heard like people like Trevor Maddich on ESPN say that they're one of the teams that he thinks have, has a legitimate shot to beat Alabama. That's interesting. I mean, you know, that, that win against Pitt squeaking by Pitt doesn't look quite as bad now because Pitt is sort of is, you know, they started really slow, but they've, they've won, I think five in a row now, and, and they're probably going to be playing the ACC title game, but I still would make Michigan a nine point favorite over Notre Dame on neutral field. Well, they did play, and they played in Notre Dame, and Notre Dame won. So. Yes, so they must. So Notre Dame must be better, of course. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, so Washington State, we don't even need to talk about this. They're 201 at Westgate. You believe we just talked to nauseam about the fact that it's going to be really hard for them to get in, and you actually make them. They should be nine thousand. I make them nine thousand to one, but I think that 
you know, I, me, my you, model. Can you give me eight thousand one? I definitely wouldn't. Why? Because my, because okay, because it's an algorithm picking this. I mean, it's an algorithm, and you've I mean, given hook for you've the crap over this. Doing the MVP, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, but I've I'm using an algorithm basically to predict the committee's decision making, and it's obviously not perfect. And and it would take a two loss Michigan over a one loss um, or two loss Michigan that doesn't win the Big Ten over a one loss Washington State. So your algorithm does. Yes, it would. And I think you, we we've we've talked this through, and you think that that isn't the right. That's not what the committee would do there. You think the committee would go with Washington State? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so so that's why. I mean, so we if you want to know the process right, behind why it's not five thousand one. Five thousand one. No. What? I'll give you. I'll give you four hundred to one. No, I want five thousand to one. I gave you two hundred to one on Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can. The least you can do is give me five thousand to one on Washington State. Well, okay, as long as we're going small limits here. Yeah, we can bet the same. What did we bet on Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like ten dollars. Like yeah. No, we bet ten dollars. I think. So, so ten thousand ten thousand to win so ten dollars to win fifty grand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told you there's the, the model isn't perfect and, and I think we both what agree with that. So edge. all right, forget it. Let's move okay. on to our picks. Okay. Um bet the process team of the century, Rutgers. Boom. Plus twenty eight over Penn State. Last last week they came in. Oh yeah. So last week I was three and two and you were three. One and one. Your record is 27, 22, and one. My record in college is 26 and 24. I will be happy if at the end of this, I am actually still above 500. So I'm going to go Rutgers plus 28 over Penn State. And you were going to go. Well, I'll get there. I'll get there. But, you know, Rutgers, question, Jeff, on that, on, on the Rutgers pick, because we did Rutgers plus 39 against Michigan. We both had that last week. Right. They, they, Rutgers lost 42 to seven. Do you think that we were on the right side there based on the gameplay? Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we were. Well, my, my, my game grade said Rutgers were, was fundamentally 32 points uh, worse than I mean, Rutgers got like an 80-yard touchdown that yeah. early on that made, you know, that when you're getting that many points, a touchdown just – such a nice little buffer and you know the way the game played out by the time the the cover was never really in jeopardy because by the time that michigan got all those points like they were already just kind of quitting it's true and that 80 yard run definitely skewed the yards per play too but um because michigan did play well but okay my first pick i'm going to take missouri minus six at tennessee i think um, last week's game definitely does move the needle on these teams last week's games i should say um, Missouri eking out a win against Vanderbilt and Tennessee upsetting Kentucky, but I don't think it moves it as drastically as the market's thinking. Um, Missouri's still number 15 in Massey Peabody. They've just been very inconsistent and had two straight clunkers against Kentucky and then against Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, they gave up they gave up 7.2 adjusted yards per play against Vanderbilt, which is not good at all. Tennessee graded out number 17 last week, but um, remember, we don't really think Kentucky is as good as most people do. They were number 32 going into last week. They dropped to number 40. So um, I think you're getting a good price there on Missouri. Okay. Uh, Nebraska plus one over uh, Michigan State. Uh, just don't really think Michigan State's offense is very good, and Nebraska seems to be playing much better now. So maybe their overall ratings haven't really 
their ratings have really the the current ratings are more predictive than the overall ratings. Yeah, that's interesting because I think Nebraska, if, if you looked at what that line would have been, you know, you know, five, six weeks ago, it would have been a lot, it would have been a lot higher for Michigan State, don't you think? Yeah, because everyone thought Nebraska sucked. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I'm gonna take Kansas plus 35 and a half at Oklahoma. Uh, official bet the process team. You know, I, I was looking through to try to find a good narrative in Kansas. You know what the good um, narrative is? Oklahoma's yeah, this, defense is bad. Yeah. So and, the back and, door will be wide open. And the, the change in D coordinator, I think at the beginning, you know, the narrative was uh, that first game against TCU, Oklahoma was able to actually shut the door in the second half and not let TCU run up like a bunch of yards like most of their opponents do. But I think we've kind of seen the last two weeks, maybe it didn't make as big a difference. Uh, but the other narrative here is that OU kind of probably needs to impress the committee because if if it's between you know one loss OU and a one loss Ohio State, yeah, but that's 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 silly, right? Because it's thirty five and a half points, which is a lot. They can certainly win by twenty eight points and impress the committee. And impressing the committee at this point is the least of their worries. I would think. I would think winning the Big Twelve and hoping for the best. It it doesn't even really matter, right? They got to win the Big Twelve and just hope for the best. They I'm don't need to. They don't need to win by huge margins to like impress anyone right now. And if they win out, if they win out, I think they're more likely than not to get in. Okay, I'm gonna go to the rivalry games. I'm gonna take UCLA plus the three over SC. Um, that SC Cal game was pretty awesome last week as a Cal backer. I was pretty happy about that. That was that was very late night one, wasn't it? Well, not for me. Ah. Uh. I'm Next. gonna take okay. I'm gonna take Texas State plus twenty three and a half against Troy. I'll sprinkle in a game that nobody really cares about. Um, Texas I think State, the people from Texas State care. They graded out people as a negative. Troy care. <laughs> okay, Texas State's bad. They graded out as a negative thirteen last week, but that was actually we were on Texas State last week. Work. Texas State is Texas State is doing their best to become an official bet the process team, but so far no no uh, no love. No, it's true. I mean, they haven't been actually covering for us, but. They were only actually 12 points worse fundamentally than App State, according to the game grades, despite losing by 31. And, I mean, I, I looking for an encouraging thing, they had a 46.1% adjusted play success on offense, but they just couldn't get any big plays. All right, but, I'm going to go with Cal. I'm going to go to big game. I'm going to go to Cal plus two at Stanford. I think Cal Cal does this. I think they uh, – oh, I think it's actually at Cal, sorry. Cal plus two versus Stanford. Gonna say that that's that seems way low on Cal if if they're at no, no, no. I'm I'm I wrote the wrong thing in my notes. Okay, uh, I'm gonna take Boise State minus nineteen and a half at New Mexico. We liked Boise last week, also against Fresno. New Mexico graded out number one sixteen out of one hundred and twenty last week, and so I think this is a, a in, you know not enough points. Okay, and then we both have the Hawaii fade which is UNLV plus six and a half at Hawaii. There's a lot of people I've heard that really like Hawaii in this game. I think fundamentally people think Hawaii is better than they are, and that's why they tend to get more love in this situation. But UNLV plus the six and a half at Hawaii. Well, I also think people probably think that Hawaii has a bigger home field advantage because, you know, it's a long way to travel. But I found that Hawaii... The hula skirts. Yeah, it's true. They're distracting. They're distracting. But, But... UNLV is traveling west to east, and I happen to know they have a direct flight, or east to west, sorry. There is a direct flight from McCarran 
to Honolulu. So they don't have to connect. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Doug Kazarian article. I'm sure you've read this, right? Yeah, you sent it to me and I read it. And we, I think, both tweeted about it. Um, so, you know, everyone gives a shit because we don't critically talk about people that we're friends with. And we've mentioned that we're friends with Doug. And I was texting with him a little bit about this article. And, you know, I, I'm not going to disparage Doug as a person. He's a wonderful person. He's a nice human being. But this article to me is is representative of why mainstream media just really shouldn't be covering sports betting in, in this kind of way, right? Like the article is essentially trying to say that that in the NFL, sharps are not winning, right? That that's that's his point, right? But the problem is the definition of sharp or square is 100% completely subjective. There's no like real definition to it. And everyone has a different definition of it. His second point behind this is that, and, and he stands by this, that, that people are not winning in the NFL, that there are no consistent winners in the NFL and there haven't been for the last couple of years. And I, I don't believe that to be true. Um, I, I think that, the good betters are not necessarily betting the places with the people he's talking about. And also good betters are disguising their bets. Um, they're not, they have different outs, they have different ways to bet. And so I just, I think that it's what pissed me off about this article is it's, it's sort of like at the, at the crux of like what's wrong with, with gambling coverage. And I just personally expect more from Doug than this kind of writing, which is essentially just, you know, horseshit narrative, which is like, oh yeah, the sharps are on this, the, the squares are on this. You know, he talks, there's just two main points, right? He, he always talks about how all the sharps are on Cleveland last year. And you kept talking about how you were never on, never never on Cleveland, like maybe year. once or twice early in the season, but then you weren't on them anymore. And I certainly consider you a sharp. You're not always on, like, there, there's no such thing. I mean, I think the narrative often is that the sharp side are the road um sorry the home underdogs right that's the sharp side often and the square side is the, and there may be it have been a time where the majority of like the smarter betters the value was on one side or the other but we know that stuff is corrected because markets tend toward efficiency and we know now that like there's, there's you know the good analytics betters are not necessarily betting you know one type of bet they're like finding value and when they see value they they bet it um, for me, that's certain, certainly one definition of sharp is like someone who who consistently either moves markets or consistently wins or beats right? the closing line. I sorry, mm -hmm. I didn't mean I meant I meant beat the closing line when I said move markets. So, okay. um, and it, it's it, this article was was frustrating to me because of that, and it was frustrating talking to him because I couldn't get him to sort of understand what I was saying, and he was, you know, I think that the so definitely people on Twitter are pretty rude when they try to do, when they try to give, you know, feedback to someone like Doug, but it doesn't make, it doesn't make it any better when someone like Doug digs his heels in deeper and digs his hole even deeper by his, his, you know, how he addresses this and his, certainly his, um, the way he was defending himself didn't, didn't make much sense to me. I mean, the, the conversation I had with him was made me feel even worse about <laughs> his coverage of this, of this. I mean, maybe the article should have said that 
in it's 2018, we can't identify what the sharp side is anymore necessarily, you know, because we used to be able to say like 10, 20 years ago that home underdogs were the sharp side. Yeah. But I, you I can't and, say that now. You used to be I, able to say that big underdogs were the sharp side. You can't say that now. It doesn't mean there's no sharp side. It just means that that easy narrative isn't available anymore. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's, I think that is kind of what he was trying to say. And um, I don't, but I don't think he has that nuanced understanding of the difference in that, right? Like that, that is different than saying like sharps are not winning in the NFL. I mean, do you believe that there are winning NFL betters over the last two years? Or do you believe he's right that there is no winning betters in the NFL over the last two years? No, of course there's winning betters in the NFL. The question <laughs> is, do I believe that there are winning betters that are sharp betters in the NFL? And I still think the answer is yes, because he, I mean, Part of this is that the public has been winning in recent weeks, and so they're winning. Yeah, but the the <laughs> we've talked about this though. There there are there are certainly betting systems that are analytical that might drive you towards public sides at different times. So For sure. that doesn't necessarily mean that you are not sharp or whatnot if you bet on a public side. Like this is the whole. I got into this with this guy Kevin Sheehan, right? Cause he was giving me shit. Cause I was like on Tony Kornheiser's show and I, I took some sides that were public sides. Right. And one of them, one of them was uh, the chargers when they played Cleveland and they were on the road and they were like that one point favorite or one point underdog or whatever is and went back and forth. And he said, Oh, that is the most public side. Well, we, obviously, I like that too. We agreed on that one. Yeah. And, but it doesn't matter. Right. Like the, the reality of this was that, people had a false impression that Cleveland had turned things around. The chargers were largely underrated at the beginning of the year. And now they're probably properly rated. They're a pretty good team in the AFC. And at that time, that line was wrong. Like, I mean, I I would say fundamentally, even in, and for whatever reason that the public liked it, there were definitely sharps on the the chargers, you in, in particular. The chargers are a very good team. Massey Peabody has them as the number three team in football right now. There you go. Yeah. And there and Cleveland, you Cleveland. go. I mean, you want to say anything more about this? I mean, I, I kind of just said my piece. So, no, I agree. And I, I think the point about disguising bets is also a good one. I mean, Billy, a lot of people claim to have moved for Billy Walters, but a lot of them were also. Did you move for Billy Walters? I did not. Did um, I move for Billy Walters? I will never tell you. Hey, that's, you're right. The people that probably do I'm don't, like aren't Kaiser about Soze. It. I don't even know who I am. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, I, again, like Doug said, he listened to our pod last time, last time. So, and, you know, was wanting to give me feedback and I haven't gotten around to like discussing with him, but Doug, if you are listening next week, we'd love to have you on and we can discuss this, um, you know, and you can defend yourself and your side of things. But in my mind, it's, it's clear that, that, you know, this is an example of just this narrative type of writing and reporting and not actually like going into enough detail about what any of this means. And so it's a little lazy to me. So Jeff, before we move on, I want to ask one question. So the whole talking, so uh, in his article, Doug talks to, I think it's John Murray from the Westgate. And I think he may may have talked to other. uh, Well, he alludes on Twitter that he talks to a bunch of different bookmakers and he alludes to the fact that he talks to people at Pinnacle or talks to people at Chris or whatever. He alludes to that. Right. But the question is, do those, um, 
I mean, what do you think of, of those quotes or those narratives? Is there anything, is there any value to that information? Um, I mean, this, I don't know. Like that's so again, like this Kevin Sheehan guy, I went and I listened to his podcast cause I was curious, you know, and I, I try, I honestly try not to be dismissive of someone unless I like hear what their process is. And his, his process is all about talking to these offshore people and, them telling him what the sharp side is or where the public side is and all this kind of stuff. And he uses that narrative of talking to these people to drive like, you know, where, what he bets on. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's like, so John, when John Murray, you, you probably don't listen to Doug's podcast, but John Murray comes on and he actually talks about um, what some of the sharp groups are betting on, on that. And I, I actually think sometimes he's talking about you guys. Cause they'll talk about like a sharp college group or a sharp, this group or whatever. Um, and he'll talk about that. And I mean, I find it interesting for sure, because I, I like to kind of think about, um, especially if, if I know it's like you or your group that, that is, is betting and moving things. It's, it's interesting information to know for sure. So do you, I mean, would I, Make a, a bet to tail that? I don't know. Probably not. No. So it, it depends on the market. I mean, like you could say, oh, you know, these guys were on this particular golf matchup, but it's going to be at a price that was so far different that it, there's no value to it. And same like with college, a lot of the stuff I bet, you know, there, you know, um, like, well, but let's, say, let's there's say this. There still, was, still was value to Mississippi State plus 24 yesterday, but or last week, but. I, I had it. At tw- I got it at twenty six and twenty six and a half early in the week. Stop touting. We know you won your bet, but you didn't lose it. You lost it on the contest. So there. No, I pushed it. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Okay. So, so wait, wait, the the question then is is you know in a market like the NFL, which you know it, it's it's a lot harder to move. There may be more value to that, but I don't like. I mean, I, you hear a lot of people like. I mean, think about guys like Vegas Runner who are all just talking about oh they move he moves for such and such a group and and. He's yeah, he gets to see. He gets to see why, what they're betting. Why would I want to keep? If why would these groups want to have give this information to someone? And if they keep talking about it, you know what I mean. I, I would be like, I want to find someone else to use as a mover, who can keep quiet. Yeah, I for sure wouldn't want people talking about what my group was getting down on or anything like that. Or if I had someone like that, I would actually just. Make sure I would give them the sort of the dumb. Do you guys? Bets. Do you guys? Uh, do you guys bet at the Westgate? Yeah, when I'm out there, I do. Bet it. Um, interesting. I, I had, okay. Yeah. Last week it was kind of funny. I actually put in a few golf matchup bets because I wanted I wanted to get it was like, um, eleven p.m. and I I wanted to get it. I was going to get some drinks with my with my buddy Aaron Kessler at the bar there, and so I, I wanted to find a a. a like a break-even golf matchup bet for like two hundred dollars just to get a bunch of drink tickets. Although then I found out that I didn't actually need to. Uh, they would have just given me the drink tickets anyway. But but it was very curious to see if they actually were going to move the the market off of my little seven cent edge golf matchup bet uh, for two hundred dollars. They must have. They didn't. They didn't. Mm, they don't. They don't um, fear was, you. No. They do not fear so you. This is a new strategy. Just bet two hundred dollars on something and then come back and make a limit bet. And I'm getting two hundred over the limit. Yeah. Um, you know, back to that, just real quickly, the, this idea of knowing, you know, I I think one of the things that, that at least in, in, in my time, um, this idea of just 
like understanding line moves and like understanding who's behind line moves sometimes I think is good because you know, it's just like you, when you have a situation where you think something is a big edge and you bet it, it moves and then it moves back or moves against you. It's a, it's a little, isn't that a little, don't you feel a little problematic when that happens? And wouldn't it be nice to know who was the person or why the reason that line moved? For sure. I mean, the thing is before, you know, before I make, let's say I have eight bets to make, you know, I don't know which ones are going to, I'm going to move and then won't move back and which ones that will move back. Right. You know, I can, I can have all these bets and, and, you know, six, six of them might look really good, um, you know, a day or two later and, and the other ones might not. But if I, if I could tell beforehand, you know, that'd be great, but I can't. Right. Okay. Let's go to, let's skip the next subject about legalization and we'll talk about that next week. And then let's just do your futures real quick. You have some interesting NFL futures. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I, the big one is that I think the Patriots are kind of undervalued here and, and you know, uh, my player level model likes the Patriots more than Massey Peewati does because they're, it's a lot higher on Tom Brady, but um, by the same token, the Patriots have, you know, dealt with a lot of injuries and in, in this year. And then you had Edelman out for a little while and, and Gronk is out. And so I think that um, I think they're going to be getting better. Also last week against the Titans, um, they, it seemed like they were content to lose that game in the fourth quarter and not to, I mean, not to really try hard to come back. Uh, did you get that sense? I mean, they pulled Brady when they were down two touchdowns, I think. They didn't, they down they did, it didn't, I didn't watch a ton of that game, unfortunately, but it did seem the parts I watched, like there was like this kind of weird resignness to them. Um, it, you I know, like it, they didn't, that game may not have mattered, right? Because, you know, Casey is going to lose probably this week to the Rams would be my guess. Yeah. And then, um, and then you have a, you, you know, that game's neutral, right? Or did they move it? They moved, no, they it, moved right? it. They moved it to LA because oh, okay. the field of Azteca stadium. But I do think uh, I think that Belichick was playing the long game there. I do, and, and his teams do seem to. And this is me talking, you know, I guess buying these narratives, and, and which are not, by the way, in my simulation. But but they do. Belichick does seem to get better as the year goes on. Well, I told you when I talked to Teddy Bruschi about this, right? Yeah, uh, he was basically just like he uses the beginning of the season as like ex- an experiment to like figure shit out. So that, that's a narrative that actually has some legs because you've talked to a former well, that, player. Who's, again, who's, like that's that's a, that's that's the thing with all these narratives, right? The whole point behind data is that if you have this hypothesis that's driving a narrative, you can test it out and see if it's true or not. But it takes work, and so it's it's lazy if people are on air like us talking about narratives and not testing them in the data because we're just Agreed. lazy. Agree. So so uh, a lot of so I so I make the Patriots six to one to win uh, the Super Bowl. And, and I know a lot of places have have prices a lot one. higher than that. Um, the Westgate has 10 to 1 somehow. You're not supposed to say that on air, though, because I'm not in Vegas. And I want that to hold up. <laughs> but uh, Seahawks, they have the Seahawks at 300 to 1 as well. I make them 144 to 1. They still have a plat. I mean, th- there's no path to the division, but, but I still give them a 32% chance to make the playoffs. You have the Panthers at 40 to 1. I make them 32 to one. Yeah, they got blown out, but uh, there's still a two, th- two and three chance of winning or of making the playoffs. They're probably not going to win that division anymore, but uh, 3% chance of winning the Super Bowl. And 
Ravens a hundred to one. They've you know, and that's not really accounting for Joe Flacco there, but they they have a one in three chance of making the playoffs. I think they should be seventy eight to one. And then you want your big long shot, the Broncos at two thousand to one. The Broncos are actually not nearly as bad a team as most people think. They're slightly below average. Uh, I have them four percent to make the playoffs. I make them. 1,260 to one true price. Obviously there's a big error bar in that because you have to run a bunch of simulations to be able to really, um, to, to hone in on that true price. But if you, if you want a a true long shot, um, I think there is a little value there. Okay. Let's move on to this week's picks. Last week I was two, two and one bringing my um, record to 25, 21 and four. You were two, two, and one. Also, bringing your record to twenty-four and a half, twenty-two and three and a half. Asian handicap. Uh, what's that? Asian handicaps. Yeah. Well, we have we have a few games that we um, overlap on, and I wanted to talk specifically about one. So we both have Jacksonville plus the five and a half versus the Steelers. I think that was at at six earlier in the week. That definitely seems like a huge overreaction to what's happened this season. Um, you know, it's crazy for Jacksonville to be getting all those points at home. The next game that we both have is the one that I did want to talk a little bit about, which is Oakland plus the five and a half at Arizona. And the narrative, and this may be actually a very true narrative in this case, so I'm using narrative this case and not necessarily a pejorative sense, is that Oakland has quit and Oakland wants to lose this game because they want to get the number one pick and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they are tanking and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's why you're seeing obviously clear line value here. And I don't think there's any one that runs analytics that wouldn't say that there's some line value here. Correct. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, there definitely is line value there. So when do you, as an analytics person, pull the plug on something like this and just say, Hey, I, I mean, Oakland is not playing for real. I can't bet this. Um, you know, if, if I think there's a narrative that, that has legs, you know, week 17 in the NFL is a good example where, where you look at motivation and you sort of say, okay, this team is going to rest starters, but that's generally something I can look at and say, okay, they, like they have an incentive to rest starters. Whereas a team so you're, isn't so, playing so you're not going to still going to be trying generally because they're trying so, to save a coach's job. My question so is this for unless, you. Well, does Oakland, so it's John Gruden's first year, but he has he has a lot of rope, right? Because he's got that huge contract, yeah. but we don't know the details of it. We don't know how many years are guaranteed necessarily. Okay, so right, get to the I point. Mean, so the question is, is is he able to tank because he has that rope? Yeah, I think or, that's the that's what people think. Or, it's or his, has his team given up on him? Well, I don't. I, again, like I'm not trying to prove or disprove a narrative. I am asking you at what point that you, you know, close up shop on Oakland and just say, this isn't, this isn't worth it. Right. Like we were both on Oakland last week at plus 10. Right. And we both right. lost that. Although I was could, on Oakland, was... I was on Oakland the week before at plus three against San Francisco, obviously got great line value, closing line value, and then just got crushed in the actual bet. Right. And now, again, we'll be on them, was on them earlier in the week at plus four, and certainly we'll be on them at plus five and a half. At what point do we just say, you know, this team's quit. Let's move on. If there's data to back it up, is there data? But you're to never, back it up? you're never, how, what, how are you going to get data enough to do that? Like the last two weeks, they've clearly underperformed their actual, like, 
what their projection should have been in those situations. Um, if they do it a third time, is that data? No, just because a team underperforms doesn't mean they're right. They're but I'm saying, up. like, what kind of data would you need? Lose. What kind of data would you need to get to a point where you where you did that? I don't know because I don't know what kind of data there would be because I think there'd be big fines if if Oakland actually was trying to do that. Right. I'm sure. I'm so sure basically, basically, NFL. you're yeah. It's not okay. the best interest in the NFL. So at this point, I'm I'm going to keep riding Oakland. No, I got it. I got it. That's fair. So right. so Jaguars plus five and a half was our first pick. We both Oakland agreed plus on that. Five and a half is is at our Arizona. second pick. Yep. And then we both have the Eagles plus eight and a half at the Saints. Right. That's my last pick. That's one that I don't have. Um. It's it's not uh it's not an official massy peabody pick or anything like that but it's it's better than break even okay and i think that's it what do you think of that game i like the eagles i, I liked them earlier in the week at nine it's come down to eight and a half um i i just think again it's like a huge overreaction to what's happened so far this season and i know the eagles have not played well and the saints have played great but nine points is a lot for an eagles team that is still a pretty good team yeah, and for for me, I've been against Philly generally, even if I haven't necessarily had. Yeah, a lot and of you, your your numbers love the Saints, so it's, right. I've it's, leaned against them, and so the fact that I show value on the Eagles kind of, um, I think says a lot against yeah. the Saints. Yeah. Okay, let's finish up quickly. Atlanta okay. minus three over Dallas is my fourth pick. You got anything to say on that? Um, they haven't. Atlanta hasn't quit because of that that loss, you know, at Cleveland. You know those defensive I mean, injuries. No, they they definitely yeah. have some injuries, which is probably one of the reasons that I, that that I'm showing value here because I don't um, adjust for injuries quite 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 well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean whatever. I don't think Dallas is that good. They certainly looked good against Philly, but that's probably giving you some value here too. Speaking of injuries, I'm gonna hold my nose and take the Redskins plus three against the Texans. That's one where, you know. I, I don't know if if Trent Williams is going to come back, but they you know they lost Brandon Scherf for the year. Um, uh, what's his name, Levio, uh, and it's you know their offensive line is decimated. They Jameson Crowder is still probably probably questionable. So but who cares? <laughs> yeah, he's a wide receiver. It doesn't matter as much. Yeah. But so. um, the Massey Peabody model makes the game basically a pick. The player level model. Uh, is much more in line with the market, but um, and the Redskins had one of the most interesting games last week. And the fact that they 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 won the game, I think, by thirteen points, yet they were outgained dra- like drastically by Tampa. And Tampa actually, um, I think, had the ball six times inside the Redskins' thirty yard line and got a total of three points out of it. So it was one of these games where the Redskins got. Absolutely incredibly lucky. They won the turnover battle four to nothing. Um, and they, they should have been that they were fundamentally, I thought, um, fundamentally substantially worse than Tampa Bay. I was I was curious to see what it would come out to when I ran the game grades. Um, and actually it comes out kind of even, but that's because the game grades a little bit for for NFL, I think overweight the scoring efficiency aspect because on a one game sample, uh, it's gonna look a lot different than it will on a season level. But Tampa, yeah, Tampa Bay, like the Redskins were clearly the wrong side because I had them last week. And it feels like they're the wrong side here too. But uh, but Houston's also a team that's, I think, way overvalued. They're six and three. They're not that great. They've, they've won no, six No, I mean, straight, again, this is like, this is, this is to, to use the Doug Kazarian narrative. 
it would seem like Washington is the sharp side here and the Texans are the square side. Really? I would think almost the opposite. It would See, seem that, like the Redskins are a silly the narrative. square side because of all those injuries and because generally the market doesn't price in um, offensive linemen. I don't think you under, I don't think you under, I don't think you understand square sharp. Apparently not. All right, let's move on. Last game. I like Chicago minus two and a half over mini. This is a game. This is a classic game where me as a football fan watching football, et cetera, likes Minnesota, but my numbers like Chicago. So I'm going to take Chicago minus a two and a half. You don't, you're not factoring the priors that much because Minnesota, like begin at the beginning of the season, what would this line have been? Right. No, I agree. I agree. Like I said, when I think of this number, I would like Minnesota, but whatever, whatever reason, the algorithm and the numbers spit out Chicago's the, the, the bet here. I mean, Chicago has been great this year, but I think a lot of people say, you know, they've had, they've had the easiest schedule in football, all that, but I agree. Yep. I mean, they have, they have, I mean, I think the lines were pretty much where it should be, but if I, if I had to pick a side, I would be on Chicago as well. Um, last game my, for my you. last pick, I'm going to take Rams. Is that three and a half still? It was between three and three and a half. I got it three juiced earlier, but it's. Let me check my handy sports action app, see what I did there. Uh, let's see here. It's three and a half, is what I'm seeing. Yeah. Okay. Rams minus three and a half. I'm going to take them against the Chiefs. I think the narrative here is that that game being moved is going to, you know, the Rams won't get a full home field advantage out of that because they were in Colorado Springs training at high altitude because they were going to be playing in Mexico city. So plus you have the distraction of the fires in LA. So, um, you know, I don't know how much to, to buy into that, but I, I'm giving them the regular home field, but I think the line should be right around six. I think the Rams, you know, they've been very bad in terms of covering this year. I think they're one in seven against the spread or two and six. There was, there was, um, a stat I saw on that and how for a team as good as they are, they've been like, there's never been a team that's so bad against the spread yet. So good straight up at this point in the season. Um, and I think the narrative is that the chiefs kind of are on cruise control last week and, and, and basically did what they needed to do to win. But I still think the chiefs just don't have, um, don't have a, a defense that's, that's solid enough. And I think the Rams defense, while it's struggled, you know, we did have them higher going into the season. So they have that prior in their favor and they do have a, bu- a bunch of talent and they bought, they were buyers of the trade deadline. They got Fowler. Okay. So I think that's our show. Um, thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys next week.